What was it like, J-Rod, uh, your first trip, you said, was with Byron Cage, and that was overseas, international. So talk to us about your, your first overseas international experience. So, man, it was a, it was a culture shock at first. Yeah. Uh, just because I had never been out of, you know, the country before. Okay. You know, seeing, you know, seeing London and seeing these different countries and, and books and, and school and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, to finally get the opportunity to go overseas and, you know, do something that I love to do. Yeah. yeah. And just do it in a different environment, man. It was, I mean, it was amazing, you yeah. know, trying, trying different food and, you know, seeing just uh, different, different people. It was a, it was a great experience. Yeah. I don't know if you've counted, but how many, how many, would you say several times? Uh, do you actually count how many times when you do international trips these days? What are some of your place, favorite places outside the U.S. to travel? Oh man, um, of course Dubai. Dubai, I yeah. went to recently uh, earlier this year. No, last year. Okay. Uh, Dubai for the first time, man, and it was a. Uh, I mean, it was just mind blowing just yeah. to see the you know all of the crazy buildings and you know streets and stuff like that and just to see how clean it is over there uh you know no no homelessness no uh no littering or anything like that it's uh yeah it was just it was, it was crazy man but i would say dubai jakarta is another favorite of mine um brazil I like brazil um where else are these with artists as well? Like uh, all these it, trips? Well, some of those were, most of them were, were with the artists, but okay. um, a few of them were actually like, I, I did drum clinics for myself over there. Oh, okay, uh, cool. You know, cool. got a chance to go over there and, you know, play play a drum clinic and teach master classes mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I would say those are probably my favorite places so far. Okay. Yeah. And when you do those master classes or the clinics, are you initiating them or someone reaching out to you and saying, hey, J-Rod, will you come and be a part? Well, the past ones, the ones that I've done in the past, they uh, people actually reached out, um, okay. and you know they may have seen some content online uh, that I posted mm -hmm. in the past on YouTube, Instagram, or something like that, and they uh, you know they reached out and um, yeah, just asked it if I was interested in coming over and doing a, a master class or a drum clinic. Okay. Yep. What's the mindset behind a clinic? Like, what do you, what process, if any, do you go through? At this point, you've done several, so it sounds like mm -hmm. so. What what do you try to accomplish, or is there any way to approach that? Oh, uh, it depends on it. I think it, it's situational. It depends on the, you know, the type of uh, audience for sure. And then also the, uh, you know, the type of uh, location and the, whether it's a school or a venue where yeah. they have a clinic, yeah. uh, my approach is a little different, but I think overall though, um, I try to make sure that whoever attends the clinic that they leave, uh, you know, with some knowledge and, you know, knowing something that they may not have known about, drumming or about you know their career how to market themselves yeah, or yeah, yeah. how to practice anything like that so i try to keep it open and just make sure that i you know answer any answer any questions or you know try to fix any confusion for mm -hmm. any younger drummers or older drummers pretty much any age so that's always my approach yeah talk to me about you know getting gigs is one thing right mm -hmm. but keeping them mm -hmm. is a whole another skill set it is what have you found is the best approach to make sure, okay, this is not gonna be a one-off for me. Right. I want this call to keep coming back. I want this thing to turn into, okay, it's a few spots, dates, but I want this to turn into a, a tour. Right. What have you found works for you for longevity in the business? For longevity, um, you know, we, we get a lot of opportunities, but I think for longevity is, um, of course you wanna make sure that you're the best on and off of your instrument. Uh, that you can be the best person that you can be. Okay. Um, but also, for me, like whenever I get an opportunity, especially a new opportunity, 
um, I always try to make sure that I put the time in to learn the music in and out yeah. and to make sure that I'm to the point to where I'm comfortable with it and that I'm able to sound authentic and serving, serving the music when yeah. I do so. But I think as far as like, you know, keeping the, keeping the gig though, like I said, just making sure that you're the best on and off of the instrument that you can mm-hmm. be. Uh, Character-wise, being, uh, you know, being able to, you know, be a person to, a good person to be around and being mm-hmm. able to get along with your, your other bandmates, get along with the artists. And, <clears throat> you know, if the artist is asking for something from the drums or, you know, whatever instrument that you play, yeah. just make sure that you can deliver. Right. You know, a lot of times when I, when I practice or, you know, over the years when I've prepared, I used to always try to put myself, you know, mentally in the situation. I'm like, okay, if this were to happen, what would I do? So if the artist is, you know, if they if they ask me to play, I don't know, 30 second notes on a ride cymbal, am I able to do it? <laughs> so I used to just create different scenarios in, in my practice time and just make sure that, you know, I'm prepared as much as possible. Okay. So that, you know, if, some, if someone asks for something on the fly and I'm able to deliver. So yeah. those are some of the things that I, you know, I would say, you know, it will help you with your, you know, longevity and staying uh, consistent and keeping keeping gigs in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Four Corners, mm-hmm. we got to talk about Four Corners. For sure. The name may sound obvious, but how did you guys arrive at the name? And tell us a little bit more about how the band came together. Okay, so I know I've been with the band for what, maybe uh, 10 plus years at this okay. point, okay. but I'm still considered the newest guy in the band. In the band. Really? Okay. So the, yeah, so okay. they were they were already established, um, you know, by the time I joined, they okay. were out touring and, you know, with different artists and stuff like that. But, okay. And also still doing the Four Corners as a fusion band thing. But um, back in 2013, after I had just graduated Atlanta Institute of Music, um, I got a call to do a show of my own in Atlanta Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a it was like an open mic slash jam session, and the the host he asked would I be interested in doing some of my original music, and uh, at the time I was I was still at a stage where I was kind of you know still experimenting with you know my lane and mm, okay. uh, my you know what genre I wanted to go about. Right, right. So I was just experimenting with some di- you know just different instrumental instrumental music, uh, and you know putting ideas together. But if I had to categorize it or label it, I would say it was more on the jazz fusion side. Okay. So he asked what I, you know, what I wanted to play to tracks. And I was like, nah, I don't really want to play the track. So let me see if I can, you know, think of some guys in Atlanta that could, you know, do this music justice or, you know, be willing to, to do this gig with me. Yeah. So um, I had been watching uh, the guys in Four Corners for, you know, past few years. Okay. I, I used to be in a band with uh, one of the guys, younger brother, um, we were in a, a gospel band together, so I already knew who they were through him. Okay. So I got it. I got their contact information from uh, Chris was his name, the bass player that I used to play with. Um, I got their contact information uh, from him, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just reach out to him because I knew they played mm-hmm. fusion. I was like, if I'm gonna get anybody, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just ask them because <laughs> I know they can I know they can play it. So right. I decided to reach out. Uh, I reached out to Clarence, uh, and he was like, yeah, you know, you rock my younger brother. I'm gonna do it. So I reached out and he said yes, he'd do the gig. Then I got I reached out to Ike. Ike is the guitarist. I asked him the same thing. I was like, hey man, you know, you want to do this gig with me? I got this this jam session, this open mic. I was asked to play a few few tunes of mine. Yeah. He was like, Yeah, I do it. Right. So I got him. And then I got Chris, uh, my homie that I used to play with in the, back in the day, Chris. I got him on the bass. 
And um, we rehearsed, we did the gig. And um, they had never heard me before in, in person. They had seen videos online, yeah. uh, you know, my YouTube and social media and stuff like that. And I was at a point in my career after graduating from Atlanta to the music, I was like, okay, I have to, if I'm, if I'm not going to get called for an opportunity, I have to create opportunities for myself. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm calling these guys, you know, to see, cause I know that they could play the music, but mm -hmm. also I knew also that they had never heard me play live before. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I want to, I want to connect with people who are already in the industry but also who had never heard me play in person before. Right. So I set that situation up. We did the gig. They loved what they heard. They were like, man, you know, I seen your videos online, but I didn't know you could play like that in person. <laughs> you know, it's a different, it was a different vibe. So uh, we, we kept in contact and I would say maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks later, I was in Best Buy and uh, Clarence, he called me. I didn't hear my phone ring. He called me. He left a voicemail. He was like, hey, Rod, um, you know, I was just giving you a call. I got a situation and I just want to talk to you about it. Just run some things by you. Okay. So I'm like, okay, cool. So in my mind, I'm like, he can't be calling me for a gig. Cause I'm already, I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, these guys already working. He don't want to call me for a gig. <laughs> so um, I called him back and long story short, he was like, hey man, we, um, you know, we ran into a situation and he was wondering if you might be interested in, in being in the band. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. So I told him, yeah. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna send you a few songs to, to learn. Mm -hmm. We got rehearsal on Monday. So he sent me three songs to learn. And uh, keep in mind too, I, I hadn't I hadn't played jazz fusion ever. Okay. You know, I, I played, I used to try to play at covers, like some tribal tech stuff. I would listen to them and, you know, play, uh, play over them. But as far as sounding authentic in the genre, I, I didn't have the knowledge at okay. that time. So I was still learning, but what the thing is, he saw my potential. So he was like, hey man, just you know, take these tracks, see what you can do with them, learn them to your best ability and see you on Monday. Right. So I learned them, I got the rehearsal on Monday and uh, we were running the tunes. And he was like, you know, he was just pointing out little small stuff and it was like, you know, some just stuff that I had never heard before okay. and ne had never paid attention to. He was like, hey man, do this instead of that. Uh, you know, play this riff, be sure to listen for this, little, little small nuance stuff. And he was like, yeah, okay, you, you got it. So from that day forward though, I was in the band. Nice. And that's how, that's kind of how it, uh, the Four Corners thing happened. But yeah, like I said, man, they, you know, they were already established and you know, they saw, saw my potential, man. They took me in as a, as a younger brother, as a yeah. young man. And you know, they helped me to, uh, help me to evolve and grow. That's cool. Yeah. Cool, cool story. So you, you're a drummer who, mm -hmm. Uh, has endorsements, mm -hmm. right? So when you talk about the process of, okay, playing drums, I have none, to now you have several. Take us through that process. What was it like um, to, was it where you had to reach out mm -hmm. to get an endorsement? Or did you find that everybody came to you? How much of that was connected to your social media, et cetera? What was the process of getting endorsed like? So initially, um, I'll talk about when I first found out about endorsements. Okay. Um, when I first found out about about endorsements, the first thing that was going through my mind, okay, I want free gear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, you know, I I don't want to have to pay for gear. I, I want. I'm seeing other drummers, like you know, drummers who are already well known, and yeah. 
you know, in the industry and doing things in the industry. And uh, I'm like, man, I want to be, I want to be endorsed because it looked good to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I just, I thought about free gear. Um, so I was going to, I, I just, you know, was finding out, finding different emails um, and, you know, trying to get in contact with these, uh, these companies. Mm-hmm. And I was just sending emails, uh, just reaching out to them. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking to be endorsed, blah, blah, blah. Not really having anything to, to show for, or having a reason. Okay. For for me being endorsed by these companies. Okay. So, so you reached out before you were J Rod, as we know, I did. as we know you now. I did. Just, just go ahead and making it known. Hey, I want, I want to be affiliated. Exactly. Okay. I want to be affiliated, and also too because you know, I was like, okay, if I get endorsed, then that's going to give me gigs uh, because it okay. looks good. You know, okay. it's almost like I was. I Part thought for the horse almost exactly, yeah. and yeah. I'm like, okay, if I get this endorsement, that's just validation that hey, I made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not, it's right. not the case. Right. So that was my initial approach. And, you know, once I realized that wasn't working, I'm like, okay, you know what? I had, I had to be real with myself. I'm like, I haven't, I haven't put in any work. Mm. This was before wow. I was like, you know, this was before I was like going, going as hard as I am at, at, at music right. and in the of industry course. and stuff like that. Right. Like building a social stand, consistent on social media and stuff like that. Um, so at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to focus on just building my socials and building my brand, and that's what I'm going to focus on. Once I made that decision and I stayed consistent on social media, I'm like, okay, I'm going to build my, you know, build my brand. Once I got to a certain point, what I noticed was these companies started looking at, started started reaching out to me, mm-hmm. and. Although it was from, you know, by by one of my friends or by another drummer who was already signed to these companies. Okay. They were like, hey, man, you should check this, you know, check this drummer out. And they would, you know, they would forward my accounts and my socials or whatever to the rep at these companies. And they were like, hey, man, who is this? Who is this kid? What is he doing? So they saw the traffic. They saw the numbers on the social media. They saw that I was, you know doing work, starting yeah. to get gigs, starting to, you know, do spot dates and tours and stuff like that. So they decided to reach out. They emailed me. Okay. And they were like, hey man, you know, what what gear are you using? What sticks are you using? Um, hey, you should check this product out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it went. Yeah. And, um, you know, I asked them, I reached out, I was like, hey, so, you know, wh- what made you want to, wh- what made you interested to, you know, bring me on the roster as an mm-hmm. artist? And they were like, I saw, you know, I saw your traffic. I saw the your engagement on social media. I saw you you were out there doing work. Okay. So at that at that moment, that kind of gave me clarity on like you know what these companies look for. Yeah. You know they they look for people who can bring awareness to their company and possibly bring more more sales mm. and have a they want the, the partnership. It's a business decision for them. It's, it's not a, just you. You might want to be popular and exactly. get free gear, but. Are they gonna make money? Exactly. Right. At the at the end of the day, that's it has to be a it has to be a good partnership mm-hmm. for for both sides. Right. And you know it can't just be you know one sided. And you know it's like they that that's what they look for though. It's like right. who is this guy going to put our product in front of more people, more mm-hmm. whether it's customers, whether it's just bringing right. awareness to the brand. It's like is this person going to do right. that for us? And and you're you're being you're an influencer, so being right. a Social media influencer helps to push that over the hump. Absolutely, because they can—it's quantifiable. They can actually see real numbers. Absolutely, on your page, even if it's just following. I don't know if they get 
that deep into like your analytics and your insights, but right. you know, whatever your following is, obviously is a direct relation to the value, hopefully that you're bringing, you know, to, to the market at large, right? Absolutely. So you're saying that endorse and companies, those that offer those, they do actually use those metrics. That's a part of the They process. may not tell you, mm, okay. but it's, some, it's definitely something that they look at. Okay. So um, you would encourage someone who doesn't have endorsements but also doesn't have a large following to mm-hmm. focus more on the following and the building of value and content versus pursuing the endorsements or would you say no yeah, go for yes it. Yeah. i would say i would say i would say try not to don't even focus on endorsements focus focus right. on focus on building building your brand, your brand and your career okay everything right. everything else will come because the the reality is once you get to that to a certain point that you're that you're making moves and and doing well in your career, mm-hmm. people are gonna want to be a part of it. Yeah, and you know, I guess endorsement endorsements are great, and it's great to be you know a partner with these companies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it's like, like I said, there has to be it has to be a reason that yeah. they want to be a part of you know they, that they want to partner with yeah. you. And um, but yeah, I would say I would say the the main thing is just focus on building your brand, focus on building your career and just putting the work in mm-hmm. so that, you know, when you do approach these companies or when they approach you, you're like, you're like, Hey, this is, this is what I have to offer. And the company is like, okay, this is what I have to offer. It's a partnership. Yeah. So that's my advice for that. There are a lot of people that are established in this mm-hmm. business that were, let's say famous, well-known before social media, mm-hmm. right? then there are people that are not as established or don't have the track record, but they understand the social media game right. and they have large followings. Right. As a person who is both doing the work and also has a following, if we put the shoe on the other foot and we offered some advice to maybe previous generation, mm-hmm. those that may say, ah, don't take all of that. I'm not really into social media. Maybe deep down inside, they're thinking, I think I need to be, I want to be relevant still. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give to someone who already has the reputation, but doesn't have the social media presence or the following? Mm-hmm. How, would, how can they, in essence, become relevant again, specifically on social platforms as a musician or producer or creator? Well, I think if they're already relevant, I think it depends on their audience. Like they have to figure out what their fans or audience wants mm-hmm. if they're all, if they're already re- uh, relevant. Um, I think that's really the main thing. It's like if if you think about it, when we follow someone on social media, it's either because they make us laugh, we're gaining knowledge, they're motivating us, mm-hmm. or they you know they're they may they may be cooking something or something looks good. Yeah, right. It's attractive. Right. So those those are one of the four reasons. So it's like. You have to be real with yourself and ask ask yourself why why would somebody follow you on social media, yeah. and what what value can you offer the viewer, right, or today. your follower today, right? So it's not just like okay, I am who I am. That's right. why, but what's relevant right now to the algorithm, the feed, exactly, is just constantly changing every ten seconds, right? Exactly, and I think that's the I think that's the the foundation of, of everything. It's like what are you doing that 
is in, is inspiring to the to the person that's watching your content or how are you how are you offering them value yeah because that's what's going to grow your community that's what's going to get someone to follow you it's like okay. there has to be a reason someone follows you mm-hmm. you like i said you're either making them laugh you're motivating offering knowledge or something is something is funny or or, or whatever yeah. it has to be a reason and i think if you know pretty much what i've done is like i i've I found uh, that thing that I do that inspires people. Okay. Whatever it is, I can't really, I can't categorize it or tell you exactly. It's playing drums, but it's a certain way that I play drums okay. that gives people a reason to follow me. And it's, you know, it's like that for anyone else that does, you know, as any other creative or mm-hmm. artist or whatever, it's like a person follows you because you do what you do in your way and it's different than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would, that's my advice for that is just finding out, you know, what that, what that thing is. What okay. do you do that's going to make someone follow you? How are you inspiring people? What do you think is the most important lesson if you had one that you could share about making money in the music business? Um, what are some things you do now mm-hmm. with money that you didn't do before? Well, right now, um, aside from playing drums, um, I also program and arrange music. Mm. And I also teach drums. I'm a drum instructor. Um, you know, it's all, it's, it's several things dealing with music, mm-hmm. but it's not just the thing that I do. Like, I'm a drummer primarily, but it's also other things you can do to, to make money with that skill multiple streams of income multiple streams of income exactly so and also like by by being a drummer you know i uh started a clothing brand uh got pocket and it came from you know me building social media up mm-hmm. and someone asking me hey do you have any merch and i was like no but the thing that prompted them to ask me if i had any merch was me drumming wow so it's like, you know, you, you, you'll be doing something that you, you know, primarily, like I said, I'm a drummer, yeah. but it's like other things. Yeah, like I'm doing my craft, yeah. mm-hmm. but this is, you know, my craft is the, that's the driving force of many other things though. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's like, you know, just, uh, I would, I would say just be, be open and, you know, be, do what you do, but also be open to other things in that, in that lane, because you don't want to put a you don't want to put a yourself in a box. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's many other ways that you can make money doing what you love and you know, staying staying in that, you know, in that in that lane. It may take some time to build or to, you know, to work on, but it can be done for sure. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Man, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. So many great nuggets and yes, sir. it's just you're just a stand-up guy in so many ways. Uh people that don't follow you yet, where can they find you online and social media? Uh so you can find me on all social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, everything at yeah, uh at J Rod Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And that's J R O D Sullivan, S U L L I V A N. You still managing all these accounts by yourself? As well? I do. Wow. <laughs> I need a team, man. I need some people I can trust. <laughs> I'm sure if you know anybody, it. hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, always, always a pleasure to see you, man. And of course, continue to do the big things that you're doing. Yes, sir. Don't forget to support the brands, guys. You know where you can find them. 
It's not hard to find. He's on stage somewhere. Got pocket apparel. Make sure you cop that as well. Oh, I got to give me some for the bass player in me, right? But uh, again, much success to you. Much congrats. Uh, continue to do the things that you do. You're, in, you're very inspirational. Thank and you, I'm man. sure a lot of people are going to take a lot of great nuggets away from this particular episode that they can actually tangibly apply, particularly in today's current le- music landscape. So, yes, sir. Good stuff. Man. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, my, my pleasure, man. Yes, this has been another episode of Musically Hits. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. Make sure to keep tuning in. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Definitely follow us as well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. We'll see you next time. Take care.